0: Chapter Four of Blackheart and Whiteheart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Recording by Alvera. Blackheart and Whiteheart, by Sir Henry Rider Haggard. Chapter Four, Nanea. Presently, muttering something that the listener could not catch, Nahoon left Nanea and crept out of the hut by its bee-hole entrance. Then Hadden opened his eyes and looked round him. The sun was sinking, and a ray of its red light streaming through the little opening filled the place with a soft and crimson glow. In the centre of the hut, supporting it, stood a thornwood roof-tree, coloured black by the smoke of the fire, and against this, the rich light falling full upon her, leaned the girl Nanea, a very picture of gentle despair as is occasionally the case among Zulu women she was beautiful so beautiful that the sight of her went straight to the white man's heart for a moment causing the breath to catch in his throat her dress was very simple on her shoulders hanging open in front lay a mantle of soft white stuff edged with blue beads about her middle was a buckskin mocha, also embroidered with blue beads, while round her forehead and left knee were strips of grey fur, and on her right wrist a shining bangle of copper. Her naked bronze-hued figure was tall and perfect in its proportions, while her face had little in common with that of the ordinary native girl, showing as it did strong traces of the ancestral Arabian or Semitic blood. It was oval in shape, with delicate aquiline features, arched eyebrows, a full mouth that drooped a little at the corners, tiny ears, behind which the wavy coal-black hair hung down to the shoulders, and the very loveliest pair of dark and liquid eyes that it is possible to imagine. For a minute or more Nanea stood thus, her sweet face bathed in the sunbeam, while Haddon feasted his eyes upon its beauty. Then, sighing heavily, she turned, and seeing that he was awake, started, drew her mantle over her breast, and came, or rather glided, towards him. "'The chief is awake,' she said, in her soft Zulu accents. "'Does he need aught?' "'Yes, lady,' he answered. "'I need to drink, but, alas, I am too weak.' She knelt down beside him, and, supporting him with her left arm, with her right held the gourd to his lips. How it came about Hadden never knew, but before that draught was finished, a change passed over him. Whether it was the savage girl's touch, or her strange and fawn like loveliness, with a tender pity in her eyes mattered not. The issue was the same. She struck some chord in his turbulent, uncurbed nature, and of a sudden it was filled full with passion for her a passion which, if not elevated, at least was real. He did not for a moment mistake the significance of the flood of feeling that surged through his veins. Hadn't never shirked facts. By heaven, he said to himself, I have fallen in love with a black beauty at first sight, more in love than I have ever been before. It's awkward, but there will be compensations. So much the worse for Nahoon, or for Tetiwayo, or for both of them. After all, I can always get rid of her if she becomes a nuisance. Then, in a fit of renewed weakness, brought about by the turmoil of his blood, he lay back upon the pillow of furs, watching Nenea's face, while, with a native salve of pounded leaves, she busied herself dressing the wounds that the leopard had made. IT ALMOST SEEMED AS THOUGH SOMETHING OF WHAT WAS PASSING IN HIS MIND COMMUNICATED ITSELF TO THAT OF THE GIRL. AT LEAST, HER HAND SHOOK A LITTLE AT HER TASK, AND GETTING DONE WITH IT AS QUICKLY AS SHE COULD, SHE ROSE FROM HER KNEES WITH A courteous, IT IS FINISHED IN COURSE, AND ONCE MORE TOOK UP HER POSITION BY THE ROOF-TREE. I THANK YOU, LADY, HE SAID. YOUR HAND IS KIND. "'You must not call me lady, in course,' she answered. "'I am no chieftainess, but only the daughter of a headman, Umgona.' "'And named Nanea,' he said. "'Nay, do not be surprised. I have heard of you. "'Well, Nanea, perhaps you will soon become a chieftainess, "'up at the king's kraal yonder.' "'Alas! and alas!' she said, covering her face with her hands. "'Do not grieve, Nanea. "'A hedge is never so tall and thick "'but that it cannot be climbed or creeped through.' "'She let fall her hands and looked at him eagerly, "'but he did not pursue the subject. "'Tell me, how did I come here, Nanea?' "'Nahoon and his companions carried you in course.' "'Indeed, I begin to be thankful to the leopard "'that struck me down. "'Well, Nahoon is a brave man,' AND HE HAS DONE ME A GREAT SERVICE. I TRUST THAT I MAY BE ABLE TO REPAY IT. TO YOU, NANEA. THIS WAS THE FIRST MEETING OF NANEA AND HADDEN. BUT ALTHOUGH SHE DID NOT SEEK THEM, THE NECESSITIES OF HIS SICKNESS AND OF his SITUATION BROUGHT ABOUT MANY ANOTHER. NEVER FOR A MOMENT DID THE WHITE MAN WAVER IN HIS DETERMINATION TO GET INTO HIS KEEPING THE NATIVE GIRL WHO HAD CAPTIVATED HIM. AND TO ATTAIN HIS END, he brought to bear all his powers and charm, to detach her from Nahoon, and win her affections for himself. He was no rough wooer, however, but proceeded warily, weaving her about with a web of flattery and attention, that must, he thought, produce the desired effect upon her mind. Without a doubt, indeed, it would have done so, for she was but a woman, and an untutored one, had it not been for a simple fact which dominated her whole nature. She loved Nahoon, and there was no room in her heart for any other man, white or black. To Haddon she was courteous and kindly, but no more, nor did she appear to notice any of the subtle advances by which he attempted to win a foothold in her heart. For a while this puzzled him but he remembered that the Zulu women do not usually permit themselves to show feeling towards an undeclared suitor. Therefore it became necessary that he should speak out. His mind once made up, he had not to wait long for an opportunity. He was now quite recovered from his hurts and accustomed to walk in the neighborhood of the kraal. About two hundred yards from Ungona's huts rose a spring, and thither it was nanea's habit to resort in the evening to bring back drinking water for the use of her father's household. The path between this spring and the kraal ran through a patch of bush where on a certain afternoon towards sundown, Hadden took his seat under a tree, having first seen nanea go down to the little stream as was her custom. A quarter of an hour later she reappeared, carrying a large gourd upon her head. She wore no garment now except her moocha, for she had but one mantle, and was afraid lest the water should splash it. He watched her advancing along the path, her hands resting on her hips, her splendid naked figure outlined against the westering sun, and wondered what excuse he could make to talk with her. As it he chanced, fortune favoured him, for when she was near him, a snake glided across the path in front of the girl's feet, "'causing her to spring backwards in alarm "'and overset the god of water. "'He came forward and picked it up. "'Wait here,' he said, laughing. "'I will bring it to you full. "'Nay, in course,' she remonstrated, "'that is woman's work. "'Among my people,' he said, "'the men love to work for the women," "'And he started for the spring, "'leaving her wandering. "'Before he reached her again,' he regretted his gallantry for it was necessary to carry the handleless the gourd upon his shoulder and the contents of it spilling over the edge soaked him of this however he said nothing to nanea there is your water nanea shall i carry it for you to the kraal nay in course i thank you but give it to me you are weary with its weight stay awhile and i will accompany you ah nanea I am still weak, and had it not been for you, I think that I should be dead. It was Nahoon who saved you, not I, in course. Nahoon saved my body, but you, Nanea, you alone can save my heart. You talk darkly, in course. Then I must make my meaning clear, Nanea. I love you. She opened her brown eyes wide. You, a white lord? Love me, a Zulu girl? How can that be? I do not know, Nanea, but it is so. And were you not blind, you would have seen it. I love you, and I wish to take you to wife. Nay, in course, it is impossible. I am already betrothed. Ay, he answered, betrothed to the king. No, betrothed to Nahoon. "'But it is the king who will take you within a week, is it not so? "'And would you not rather that I should take you than the king?' "'It seems to be so, in course. "'I would rather go with you than with the king. "'But most of all I desire to marry Nahoon. "'It may be that I shall not be able to marry him, "'but if that is so, at least I will never become one of the king's women.' "'How will you prevent it, Nanea?' There are waters in which a maid may drown, and trees upon which she can hang, she answered with a quick setting of the mouth. That were a pity, Nanea. You are too fair to die. Fair or foul, yet I die in course. No, no, come with me. I will find a way, and be my wife. And he put his arm about her waist, and strove to draw her to him. Without any violence of movement, and with the most perfect dignity, the girl disengaged herself from his embrace. "'You have honoured me, and I thank you, in course,' she said quietly, "'but you do not understand. I am the wife of Nahoon. I belong to Nahoon. Therefore I cannot look on any other man while Nahoon lives. It is not our custom, in course, for we are not as the white woman, but ignorant and simple.' And when we vow ourselves to a man, we abide by that vow till death. Indeed," said HADDEN, "and so now you go to tell Nahoon that I have offered to make you my wife. No, in course. Why should I tell Nahoon your secrets? I have said nay to you, not yea. Therefore, he has no right to know. And she stooped to lift the gourd of water. HADDEN considered the situation rapidly. For his repulse only made him the more determined to succeed. Of a sudden, under the emergency, he conceived a scheme, or rather its rough outline. It was not a nice scheme, and some men might have shrunk from it, but as he had no intention of suffering himself to be defeated by a Zulu girl, he decided, with regret it is true, that having failed to attain his ends by means which he considered fair, he must resort to others of more doubtful character. "'Nanea,' he said, "'you are a good and honest woman, and I respect you. As I have told you, I love you also. But if you refuse to listen to me, there is nothing more to be said. And, after all, perhaps it would be better that you should marry one of your own people. But, Nanea, you will never marry him, for the king will take you.' and if he does not give you to some other man, either you will become one of his sisters, or to be free of him, as you say, you will die. Now hear me, for it is because I love you and wish your welfare that I speak thus. Why do you not escape into Natal, taking Nahoon with you? For there, as you know, you may live in peace, out of reach of the arm of Tetiwayo. That is my desire and course, but Nahoon will not consent. He says that there is to be war between us and you white men, and he will not break the command of the king and desert from his army. Then he cannot love you much, Nanea, and at least you have to think of yourself. Whisper into the ear of your father, and fly together, for be sure that Nahoon will soon follow you. I, and I myself, will fly with you, for I too believe that there must be war. And then a white man in this country will be as a lamb among the eagles. If Nahoon will come I will go, in course, but I cannot fly without Nahoon. It is better I should stay here and kill myself. Surely then, being so fair and loving him so well, you can teach him to forget his folly and to escape with you. In four days time we must start for the king's kraal and if you win over Nahoon, it will be easy for us to turn our faces southwards and across the river that lies between the land of the Amazudu and Natal. For the sake of all of us, but most of all for your own sake, try to do this, Nanea, whom I have loved and whom I now would save. See him, and plead with him as you know how, but as yet do not tell him that I dream of flight, for then I should be watched. In truth I will, in course, she answered earnestly, and oh, I thank you for your goodness. Fear not that I will betray you. First I would die. Farewell. Farewell, Nanea, and taking her hand he raised it to his lips. Late that night, just as Hadden was beginning to prepare himself for sleep, he heard a gentle tapping at the board which closed the entrance to his hut. Enter, he said, unfastening the door, and presently, by the light of the little lantern that he had with him, he saw Nanea creep into the hut, followed by the great form of Nahoon. In course, she said in a whisper, when the door was closed again, I have pleaded with Nahoon, and he has consented to fly. Moreover, my father will come also. Is it so, Nahoon? asked Haddon. It is so, answered the Zulu. "'looking down shamefacedly. "'To save this girl from the king, "'and because the love of her eats out my heart, "'I have bartered away my honour. "'But I tell you, Nanea, and you, white man, "'as I told Umgona just now, "'that I think no good will come of this flight, "'and if we are caught or betrayed "'we shall be killed, every one of us.' "'Caught we can scarcely be,' "'broke in Nanea anxiously.' FOR WHO COULD BETRAY US, EXCEPT THE INCOURSE HERE? WHICH HE IS NOT LIKELY TO DO, SAID Hadden QUIETLY, SEEING THAT HE DESIRES TO ESCAPE WITH YOU, AND THAT HIS LIFE IS ALSO AT STAKE. THAT IS SO, BLACKHEART, SAID Nanoon. OTHERWISE I TELL YOU THAT I SHOULD NOT HAVE TRUSTED YOU. Hadden TOOK NO NOTICE OF THIS OUTSPOKEN SAYING, BUT UNTIL VERY LATE THAT NIGHT THEY SAT THERE TOGETHER MAKING THEIR PLANS. On the following morning, Hadden was awakened by sounds of violent altercation. Going out of his hut, he found that the disputants were Umgona and a fat and evil looking Kaffir chief who had arrived at the kraal on a pony. This chief, he soon discovered, was named Maputa, being none other than the man who had sought Nanea in marriage and brought about Nahoon's and Umgona's unfortunate appeal to the king. At present, he was engaged in abusing Umgona furiously, charging him with having stolen certain of his oxen and bewitched his cows so that they would not give milk. The alleged theft it was comparatively easy to disprove, but the wizardry remained a matter of argument. "'You are a dog, and a son of a dog,' shouted Maputa, shaking his fat fist in the face of the trembling but indignant Umgona. You promised me your daughter in marriage, then, having vowed her to that umfagozan, that low lout of a soldier Nahoon, the son of Zomba, you went, the two of you, and poisoned the king's ear against me, bringing me into trouble with the king, and now you have bewitched my cattle. Well, wait, I will be even with you, wizard. Wait till you wake up in the cold morning to find your fence red with fire and the slayers standing outside your gates to eat up you and yours with spears. At this juncture, Nahoon, who till now had been listening in silence, intervened with effect. Good, he said. We will wait, but not in your company, Chief Maputa. Hamba, which means go, and seizing the fat old raffian by the scruff of his neck, he flung him backwards with such violence that he rolled over and over down the little slope. Haddon laughed and passed on towards the stream where he proposed to bathe. Just as he reached it, he caught sight of Maputa riding along the footpath, his headring covered with mud, his lips purple, and his black face livid with rage. "'There goes an angry man,' he said to himself. "'Now how would it be?' and he looked upwards like one seeking an inspiration. It seemed to come. Perhaps the devil finding it open whispered in his ear. At any rate, in a few seconds his plan was formed, and he was walking through the bush to meet Maputa. "'Go in peace, chief,' he said. "'They seem to have treated you roughly up yonder. Having no power to interfere, I came away, for I could not bear the sight.' it is indeed shameful that an old and venerable man of rank should be struck into the dirt and beaten by a soldier drunk with beer shameful white man gasped maputa your words are true indeed but wait a while i maputa will roll that stone over i will throw that bull upon its back when next the harvest ripens this i promise that neither Nahoon, nor Umgona, nor any of his kraal shall be left to gather it. And how will you manage that, Maputa? I do not know, but I will find a way. Oh, I tell you, a way shall be found. Hadden patted the pony's neck meditatively. Then, leaning forward, he looked the chief in the eyes and said, What will you give me, Maputa, if I show you that way? a sure and certain one whereby you may be avenged to the death upon nahoon whose violence I also have seen and upon umgona whose witchcraft brought sore sickness upon me what reward do you seek white man asked maputa eagerly a little thing chief a thing of no account only the girl nanea to whom as it chances i have taken a fancy I wanted her for myself, white man. But he who sits at Ulundi has laid his hand upon her. That is nothing, chief. I can arrange with him who sits at Ulundi. It is with you who are great here that I wish to come to terms. Listen, if you grant my desire, not only will I fulfil yours upon your foes, but when the girl is delivered into my hands, I will give you this rifle and a hundred rounds of cartridges. Maputa looked at the sporting martini, and his eyes glistened. It is good, he said. It is very good. Often have I wished for such a gun that will enable me to shoot game, and to talk with my enemies from far away. Promise it to me, white man, and you shall take the girl if I can give her to you. You swear it, Maputa? I swear it by the head of Shaka and the spirits of my fathers. Good. At dawn on the fourth day from now it is the purpose of Umgona, his daughter Nanea, and Nahoon, to cross the river into Natal by the drift that is called Crocodile Drift, taking their cattle with them and flying from the king. I also shall be of their company, for they know that I have learned their secret and would murder me if I tried to leave them. "'Now you who are chief of the border "'and guardian of that drift "'must hide at night with some men "'among the rocks in the shallows of the drift "'and await our coming. First, Nanea will cross, "'driving the cows and calves, "'for so it is arranged, "'and I shall help her. "'Then will follow Umgona and Nahoon, "'with the oxen and heifers. "'On these two you must fall, "'killing them and capturing the cattle, "'and afterwards I will give you the rifle.' What if the king should ask for the girl, white man? Then you shall answer that in the uncertain light you did not recognize her, and so she slipped away from you. Moreover, that at first you feared to seize the girl, lest her cries should alarm the men, and they should escape you. Good, but how can I be sure that you will give me the gun once you are across the river? Thus, before I enter the ford, I will lay the rifle and cartridges upon a stone by the bank, telling Nanea that I shall return to fetch them when I have driven over the cattle. It is well, white man, I will not fail you. So the plot was made, and after some further conversations upon points of detail, the two conspirators shook hands and parted. That ought to come off all right, reflected Hadden to himself, as he plunged and floated in the waters of the stream but somehow I don't quite trust our friend Maputa. It would have been better if I could have relied upon myself to get rid of Nahoon and his respected uncle. A couple of shots would do it in the water, but then that would be murder, and murder is unpleasant, whereas the other thing is only the delivery to justice of two base deserters, a laudable action in a military country. Also, Personal interference upon my part might turn the girl against me while after Umgona and nahoon have been wiped out by Maputa she must accept my escort of course there is a risk, but in every walk of life the most cautious have to take risks at times. As it chanced, Philip Haddon was correct in his suspicions of his coadjutor Maputa. Even before that worthy chief reached his own kraal, he had come to the conclusion that the white man's plan, though attractive in some ways, was too dangerous, since it was certain that if the girl Nanea escaped, the king would be indignant. Moreover, the men he took with him to do the killing in the drift would suspect something and talk. On the other hand, he would earn much credit with his majesty by revealing the plot, saying that he had learned it from the lips of the white hunter whom Umgona and Nahoon had forced to participate in it and of whose coveted rifle he must trust to chance to possess himself. An hour later two discreet messengers were bounding across the plains bearing words from the chief Maputa, the warden of the border, to the great black elephant at Ulundi. End of chapter four recording by Elvira.